All right. Um, so the last month at our church, we've been focusing on prayer. And uh, we haven't just been talking about it. We've actually been praying some. And uh, that's good. Um, let's see, on Monday, about 50 of us uh, gathered, not all at one time. There were groups of about two to five. We took, like, hour-long slot, slots and uh, prayed and worshipped for our city. And there were uh, six other churches that were involved. And uh, we did this for seven days. It actually ended on Friday. So the, the church came together, uh, seven different churches, and, and we uh, prayed and, uh, and, and worshipped over our city. So that was, that was uh, very meaningful. Or, were any of y'all? Yeah, I see many of you. Because, it, yeah, it, it was, did y'all enjoy that? Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. And also, starting in September, um, I've been leading a morning prayer from 7 to 8. I know that's a little bit early, but I got to get to work. And I, I'm due at work at 8.15, so that was the hour that I could choose. And so during that hour, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday... We've been going through the Lord's Prayer. We've been praying through the Lord's Prayer. So when I've been up here on Sunday sharing about the Lord's Prayer, it was just, it's just to add some explanation to what it would be like to uh, pray through the Lord's Prayer and it actually take longer than 30 seconds, right? We talked about how actually the Lord's Prayer could be thought of as an outline. Jesus was a rabbi and he taught in outline form. And each sentence of the Lord's Prayer represents like a big theme that you can develop in prayer. And in that way, it answers the issues of vocabulary and language. It helps address, you know, what will I say when I pray? Right? We, we all face that. Mm -hmm. And also, too, I think there's a, there's a completeness to the Lord's Prayer you know how sometimes when you pray, you, you kind of just pray maybe about one thing. You go to the Lord, and it's just one topic. And then when you're done, you kind of feel maybe like there could be more. I wonder what else I should pray about. But the Lord's Prayer actually is, uh, I think, uh, represents a completeness of uh, thought and direction. And why do I think that? Because Jesus put together the outline. And, and so in this way, we can kind of be confident. Oh, these, these were the matters that he thought people, believers, should be praying along. Does that make sense? So you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. So um, last, the last time I spoke a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that kingdom come, that will be done. So if you're interested in that, you know, this, it's on the website and all that, because I want to dive into give us this day our daily bread, because, you know, if we, if we get going on kingdom again, we'll, yeah. And so I, I think Pastor Nate's due to speak next week and then others, and, and I can't bump anyone else at this point. <laughs> I was going to do this in one Sunday, which that was way too ambitious, but, but anyway. All right, so let's... Uh, Let's look at this uh, third sentence, as it were, in uh, the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And there's an alternative meaning to, uh, instead of daily bread, 
Actually, the Greek more says, give us this day the bread of tomorrow. And so in reading and studying about this, I'd heard about this a long time and it fascinated me. But when I was studying about it, they said that, you know, in, in, when the King James was being written and they were thinking about the culture of the day, they couldn't imagine that people would, that, the, that Jesus would be saying, give us this day the bread of tomorrow because they baked their bread every morning. They ate their bread. They did not keep their bread. So, there, so, and there was maybe some confusion in the Greek. Is it daily bread? Is it future bread? Uh, and so they landed on daily bread, and the King James has kind of controlled uh, the way other translations have uh, carried it out. But actually, though, there, there is a, a strong indication that it meant, give us this day the bread of tomorrow, the bread of tomorrow. And so I want to think about that, what that might mean and the implications of that. And so what I'd like to do is just go immediately to my scripture in Matthew 15, 32 through 38. Um, Jesus, uh, this is at the Galilean phase of his ministry. And they actually, uh, Jesus was ministering. He was healing people before the 32nd verse is an account of a bunch of healing. And it was at the Sea of Galilee, but they had journeyed up to the Golan Heights. And we were just there this summer, and um, this picture is actually the Sea of Galilee, so it's kind of authentic. Um, and it, so, so the Golan Heights, they look like mountains, but I think they're hills. You know, there's that little discrepancy, are you a hill or are you a mountain? <laughs> but anyway, so they were there, and they had, um, so let's see what happens here. And Jesus is going to talk about bread, so let's see what he says about bread. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel sorry for these people because they have been with me three days and now they have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry because they might collapse on the way home. There were no restaurants, right, within, on every corner. Yeah. The disciples said to him, where will we find enough loaves, though, of bread in this remote place to satisfy so big a crowd? And Jesus asked them, well, how many loaves do you have? How, you know, what, what, do you, what do you got? You got anything? You got any bread? And they said, well, yeah, actually we do. We have, we have seven loaves, you know. But what's that with all these people? And a few fish. After telling the crowd to sit down on the ground, <clears throat> he took the seven loaves and the fish and blessed them and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples who gave them to the people. Everyone ate his fill, and they took up seven large baskets full of the leftover pieces. Those eating numbered 4,000. Numbered 4,000 from seven loaves and a few fish. So I want to look at this story for just a second and, and make some comments about it, how it might relate to the bread of tomorrow. The interesting thing to me is, is Jesus um, doesn't call down loaves from the sky or from heaven, but he asked the disciples what they have. And he took that. He, he took those loaves, but he multiplied them. He touched them with his presence. And I think sometimes we think that we don't have much, we don't think we have much resource, much talent to make money, or perhaps we feel limited by 
economies and and people at work and blah 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 right and uh, or we don't have the education or da 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 or maybe we do feel that we have all these things um, but Jesus is asking us how many loaves do you have maybe it's not that we don't really have enough it's we do have enough we have seven maybe but we need to give it to him we need to give what we have small though it may be in or what we perceive it to be ability or whatever we need to hand it to him and see what he can do with it because I rather think that instead of waiting for something to happen or money to come in or da 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 start with what you have offer offer what you have to the Lord and see what he does with it because is it, is it really that we don't have enough, or is it, is it that we don't have the blessing on what we have? See, really what we need is just the blessing of God on what we have, right? Because we're just who we are. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much who I am, and I've pretty much been this way for 54 years. <laughs> and, and, and that's not going to change, but you know what can change? Is the Lord touching my life, and he has. And that has changed things, <laughs> So I want to encourage you, uh, as we think about, give us this day our daily bread. And what is the bread of tomorrow? The bread of tomorrow, I think, speaks of uh, when Jesus comes back and he brings his millennial kingdom in and everything is perfect and there's no need, there's no sickness, there's no lack, there's no problems, there's no all of that. And that's because he has fully come, and his kingdom is fully consummated at that point. But in the now and now, he still tells us that his kingdom can be accessed through faith. And that the spiritual realities of the kingdom that will be physical later are, are real now. And we can pull on tomorrow the bread of tomorrow, and bring it here by offering Jesus what we have and see if he will not touch it with his supernatural power. And in that way, it's like we have a bit of heaven in the now and now. Right? When you, when, um, you get up and do a performance, I see um, the, the holes out here. When, when Natalie gets up and performs and you know, that, that thing of, Lord, I offer you my gift. Now, your touch on my gift, let's see what happens. In your jobs, and give us this day our daily bread. What we're really saying is, Lord, come and touch what I have. I have, I have a job, but I need your help. You know, when, when the Lord, when I, uh, when I pray this now, see, give me this day my daily bread. I'm saying, Lord, I need, I need help with being a good teacher at school. I need creative ideas uh, when I make lessons. I need your wisdom as to how to negotiate all these aspects and of my job. And it's that um, confidence that, and, and you know where confidence comes from? It comes from reading the scripture and thinking, letting the Holy Spirit say, how many loaves do you have? You have some loaves. You can do something. Do it. And see if I will not bless it. And really, if we think about it, 
the presence of God to touch our lives in this day and age, that's the bread of tomorrow. Because eventually, Jesus will establish his kingdom on earth. And, you know, there, there won't be really much faith that's required then. It's all going to, he's going to be running the show. Praise God, it's going to be amazing. Because he's a, he's a perfect leader. And everything will be done with perfect justice. And, you know, that's, that's awesome. So now, in this time, we need to think about what we can do to see the, the reality of, of what he's going to do then drop down now. And that's what makes us like a supernatural people. That's what makes us a bit different than other people in the world, is if we have faith in our God and that he could answer our prayers and touch us here and now. Amen. All right, I want to um, read this other little account that kind of reinforces this. The disciples in crossing to the other side of the lake had forgotten to bring bread. So this is a time later. Uh, so when Jesus said to them, watch out, guard yourselves against the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, they thought he said it because they hadn't brought any bread. But Jesus, aware of their thoughts, that they were worried about the bread that they forgot, said, such little faith you have. Why are you talking with each other about not having any bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you filled? Or the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets you filled? Then they understood. They understood. They were to guard themselves not from the yeast for bread, actual natural bread, but from the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he said, you've already forgotten that I met your need when there was absolutely no way to meet your need. Absolutely no way in the natural. You've forgotten that. And it wasn't just the account I read, but there was another account about him feeding 5,000. And so, you know, he said, Wow, you've already forgotten uh, all of this. I'm not talking about bread. Do you understand that you are related to me and that gives you access by faith into another dimension? Cooperate with me. Don't worry about the bread. So when, but he still tells us, give us this day our daily bread. So I think that he's wanting us to engage in cooperating with him to say, Lord, here's my loaves for this season. I offer them to you, and I'm excited to see what you will do with them. All right. One more, uh, oh, and then let me say something about the, te- the leaven of the Pharisees, uh, or the teaching. So <clears throat> the te- he was saying that the when he said about the, uh, the leaven of the Pharisees, it's interpreted later that it meant the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So I don't know it was so much what they taught, but it's what it was produced in people that were under their ministry, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because I think they sowed a lot of um, unbelief in people, um, a lot of concern about unimportant things. Um, I think they sowed, uh, you know, kind of like a fear 
of bad things happening. And in other words, it wasn't about taking risks with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. <laughs> and so I think that that, in a sense, he's saying, guard against the unbelief. Actually, it's not the bread that's the most important thing. It's not the money in your pocket. It's not your job. It's not, it's the attitudes that you have about all of it. That's what's important. That's, that's what I feel like he was saying. Um, so it says, so don't be anxious. Now I'm going to read from Matthew 6, again about bread. So don't be anxious. What will we eat? What will we drink? How will we be clothed? For it is the pagans who set their hearts on all these things. I think pagans just mean people that have no knowledge of God, right? They just don't have any knowledge of God. So we have knowledge of God. So uh, we're not to set our hearts on all those things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So again, he's saying... Don't worry about the bread. But you do have your part to play. You do have your job to do, as it were. And what's that job? I think that job is to offer him what we have, to ask him to touch it. And then even in our material, it it talks about in uh, material goods, even finances, Proverbs eleven twenty four. there's one who scatters and yet increases more. There's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your income. Then your granaries will be filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. So that's, a, that's an, uh, an encouragement that one way we can act out our faith that God's got the bread covered is to give some away. And then that's, that really kind of helps you think about, oh, here's, here's you know, my tithe. Ooh, uh, God, you got the, you got the bread covered? Because <laughs> I know this 10%, it's just 10%, but it's kind of, a, it's getting to be more and more as I make more and more money. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, so think along those lines. There's, um, we exercise faith in, um, in one way, by in believing for tomorrow's bread to say, Lord, this is my action step for trusting you that you will give me this day my daily bread. So there's actually an action step that we can take, and I love action plans. You know, if you if if you have a task and it's a complex task, and you're just supposed to sit there and wait for it to get done. That's extremely difficult. But if you are given a job to do as part of the task to <laughs> get it all finished, it actually helps a lot. And I think that was brilliant of God to give us an action step, uh, some way to be involved uh, in, you know, in, in giving financially in order to see uh, heaven's economy be released in our lives. Amen. Amen. All right. So give us this day our daily bread. Do you have anything? Did you get anything maybe that you could think about to pray along those lines when you're praying in the Lord's Prayer? Um, I encourage you, too, to just uh, look up bread in a concordance. Uh, There's a lot of references to bread in the New Testament. 
There's a symbolic meaning for bread that's very rich. Jesus says he's the bread of life. Um, He says, he who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. So that's that's quite a promise. There's been times that when I say, give me this day my daily bread, I'll just think about coming to the bread of life. I'll just say, Jesus, I just, I come to you, Lord, that you would fill some places that I feel lacking today. That's in John 6. John 6 is one of my favorite chapters uh, in the New Testament. And yeah, it's, it's really comforting and it's meaningful, it's powerful. And it's about Jesus as the bread of life. And again, he's, he's yeah, I don't want to go into that because I think we've covered it. But John 6, check it out. So, all right. So let's move on now to... Um, Forgive us what we have done wrong, as we too have forgiven those who have wronged us. So forgive us what we've done wrong. Forgive us of our offenses, as we forgive those who've offended us. Some translations say forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Whatever thing makes the most sense to you. Um, This is from the complete Jewish Bible, and it's just... He's he's just a very plain speaker, and I like it. But forgive us what we've done wrong, as we too have forgiven those who've wronged us. Now, um, I think if you ask someone, uh, maybe that didn't know anything about the Lord's Prayer, but that maybe they knew something about God, I think it's likely that they would say, oh, it probably says something about, you know, you need to confess your sin, you need to be forgiven of sin, that kind of thing. (laughs) I think that, you know, most people would say that. But I wonder how many people would connect the action step on our part to being forgiven of sin. That we have something to do towards other people, like a horizontal issue, that's super connected to the vertical issue. You know, I wouldn't have thought that necessarily. I think it's also kind of interesting that this is like the fourth or fifth line of the prayer because it goes back to he continually cleanses us from all sin. I would kind of think, oh, it'd probably be our, our Father who art in heaven, forgive us of our sins. You know, that tends to be sometimes what we think of first because we have kind of a sin consciousness, you know, and, <laughs> but it's kind of comforting. He's like, I, I know I'm aware of everything. I've put this right here. It's, it's in the right spot. Don't worry. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I know you're going to ask forgiveness. Maybe I have, I'm con- cleansing you even before you've asked. <laughs> yeah, but we need to ask uh-huh, because it affects us. Uh, forgive us what we've done wrong as we too have forgiven those who've wronged us. So one day I was praying and I said, to the degree that I forgive others, Lord, please forgive me. And I, li- I said it without thinking. I was just changing the order. To the degree that I give, uh, you know, forgive others, please forgive me. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Rewind. (laughs) I don't know if I want those two things tied. Yeah. And, uh, but I did, I said that and it it was funny because I said, well, actually that is a correct interpretation of that verse. You could change the order. 
in the way that we've forgiven others, Lord, forgive us. So if you stop the cycle at that point, then what about the part about forgive me? If you don't, you know, do your part, what about it? You say, well, uh, okay, are you sure you're interpreting that right? Well, um, it's interesting because right after, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, Jesus revisits this one sentence of the prayer. He says, for if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will not forgive yours. Wow. We, we accept that. We say, okay. What issues do I need to work with so that I can do this? There's some issues that you have to work with in, in really embracing this. One thing I think that we have to realize is that And I think this is really important for victims to understand someone that's really been truly, you know, a high level of trespass against them. Is that forgiveness does not mean that what the person did against you is now okay. That's not what forgiveness is about. Rather, it is your acknowledgement before God that the execution of justice is not your responsibility but rather his. So all we're doing is, we're not judging the merits of our case. We're taking off the judge's robe and the gavel and putting it aside and saying, Lord, I release this situation to you. Another thing that's really important that's helped me a lot, I realized for me that forgiveness for me was a matter of faith. And I'll tell you what I mean. Because when someone had offended me, a deep offense, um, on a variety of levels, let's say, you you feel like you've lost something. They've taken something from you, maybe even actual physical money or something. Not necessarily, but that's one thing. But you feel a sense of loss, whether it's a sense of... They've disrespected you. They've um, they weren't there when you need when you desperately needed them or whatever, you know. And so you feel less. You feel impoverished by what they did to you. Is that true? But if you then say, Lord, if if that confidence comes, Lord, I release this person. You have my back because I know you have my back. You have my back. And you know what? You can restore what they took. You took, you can, you can restore what my sense of impoverishment, you can make it up to me. Does that take faith? Yeah, it does. It does. It does. But I'm telling you, the Lord so helped me. One time there was something that was really significant. I, I felt like it was actually someone that was here many, many years ago. I, and uh, I felt like just things that happened in their life and everything, it was just such a difficult time for the church. And 
and the way they responded and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was such a deep wound because I, because I felt like so many people had been hurt and, uh, it was hard. I, I, I was, I was very angry. You know, I was very angry and the Lord brought to mind that, um, passage from Exodus, uh, where Moses, um, took the tree, the, the stick, and he threw it in the bitter waters of Mara, and they became sweet. Um, because they couldn't drink the water. They were, they were about to die of thirst. And the Lord showed him uh, this stick, which was like a tree. Uh, and he threw it in the waters. They became sweet. So it was symbolic of the cross, that if we throw the cross in the bitter waters of uh, our lives, that he can make them sweet. And I remember for a course of time, uh, whenever that negative emotion would come, I would throw the the cross, as it were, I throw the cross, like the stick. I throw the cross into the these waters of resentment. And I'm telling you, my it affected my emotions. It really did. It 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 just saying those words. I throw the cross in these in the bitter waters. That Lord, you would make them sweet. It would it would change. It changed it. It changed it for me. Yes, yes. And the other thing about forgiveness is that it's truly a matter of focus. Because as long as we look at what others have done against us, then it's extremely difficult sometimes to forgive. But if you keep your eyes on what the Lord has forgiven you of, if you turn away from that and then you think about, oh, yeah, this is... Uh, look what you've done for me. Look at all that you've done. I can uh, forgive this $100 debt because of the million-dollar debt that you forgave me of. And I I think that's why he put this stipulation on forgiveness, because he's like, you need to think about, you know, when he says, hey, I'm not going to forgive you if you don't forgive others, because he wants us to acknowledge um, and realize that what we've been forgiven of. And so in order to promote peace and uh, the spirit of God, we voluntarily release others from offenses. And um, I think, too, it's important to know that um, it, it doesn't have to start out as a feeling. When you choose to forgive someone, it's, it can so often it starts out as a decision. Decision is really important. It's a lot more important than we might realize because we think we have to feel things because, you know, it's spirit. We're, <laughs> it's, it's Christianity. It's, so we're in the spiritual realm and Jesus is in the spiritual realm, so everything's just kind of... <laughs> but actually, a lot of things are very practical. And we just make a decision to forgive and then... Let the feelings eventually catch up over a process of time. Yes. Um, Because of the time, I really don't have time to read that whole story. But I will direct you uh, to the story. Uh, Let's see, where is that? It's, It's in Matthew 18. If you feel you need more convincing about forgiveness as a matter of focus, how much have we been forgiven of compared to you know, what we're uh, needing to forgive someone else of. And so that's in Matthew 18. And 
Um, let me just, I do want to read this one scripture, though, back to the point of um, you're, when you forgive someone, you're not saying that what they did wasn't wrong or that it's, you know, now somehow okay that, that because that you're, you might have an internal sense of justice, you know, we normally do. But we're simply saying, I release them to you, Lord. And also, oftentimes, I've, in the middle of this, I've thought, honestly, the Holy Spirit would show me a lot of times when I was upset about something, he would bring to my mind the times when I'd done the exact same thing. But, you know, when you do it, it's like, well, you know, I had, I had my reasons and this was going on and da 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 You know, it's, it's, it doesn't seem so bad, you know, I mean, when you do it. But when someone else does it against you, it's like, good grief, you know. <laughs> you know, you understand why you did it. You just don't understand why they did it. <laughs> but anyway, but if that's not happening, if you're like, no, this thing needs to be judged and justice must be done, uh, I understand that. Romans 12, 19, never seek revenge, my friends. Instead, leave that to God's anger. God does have an anger. Um, for in the scriptures it is written, the Lord says, vengeance is my responsibility. I will repay. Yeah, so we might not can change the past, but through forgiveness, we can unlock our future. Right? We step forward. Amen. Amen. It's 11.53. Two more minutes? <laughs> or not? No, seriously. Okay. Last one. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I put a question mark by that because um, I'm sure most of you have said, do not lead us into t- temptation. Does God lead? God doesn't really tempt us. And so we thought, you know, we've, we've always kind of thought there's something a little strange about that line. There's something a little bit strange about that translation. And interestingly enough, I read recently that Pope Francis has authorized a change in the Catholic prayer with, with this little script, that, with that line. Because, and he made the same point. Well, God doesn't really tempt us, so, so we've just translated it wrong. The King James just translated it wrong. So they, they changed it to, do not uh, let us fall into temptation, that's how they kind of changed it. But I actually have a different way of looking at it. But let's just prove that. James 1.13, no one being tempted should say, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. And God himself tempts no one. Rather, each person is being tempted whenever he's being dragged off and enticed by the bait of his own desire. So we know that God doesn't tempt us. So what does this mean? Um, it I got this translation from the Jewish Bible, David Stern. Um, he said that really what it is, it's, it's not temptation like the, the sense of temptation. It's actually do not lead us into hard testing or do not lead us into attack, especially from the enemy. Because right after it, it says, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. So that... Uh, actually, it, it has the connotation of, Lord, lead us out of unnecessary trials that you didn't really ordain for us. Um, deliver us from bad things that happen. Evil, evil, bad things that happen. Or from the evil one. Um, so, 
you know, I, sometimes when I pray that, I think, oh, this kind of sounds like like warfare, like really warfare. And then I, then I remind myself, oh, yeah, Jesus told me to pray this. I guess he has a reason for saying this. I'm going to pray it. And sometimes it's really easy to pray because I have a, I feel a lot of faith. You know, Lord, lead, lead us, lead us out in in this life of, or in this season of our walk, even as a church. Lead us out of hard testing. Lead us into that that broad place, that beautiful place of blessing. And um, I mean, if it's too much for your faith, you say, Well, the Lord test us. Then just say, Lead us out of unnecessary or demonic testing, right? Demonic attack. Amen. Amen. For kingship, power, and glory are yours forever. Amen. So be it. Amen. So, and if you ever want to join us, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, we kind of go through this. We, we take about 10 minutes on each little part. Each little part. But, um, thank you, Father. You can come up, Glenn. Thank you, Father, for your prayer, Lord. We thank you for your instruction. Oh, Lord. Thank you for your people, Lord. Thank you that you would fill our cups today, Lord. You would make low every mountain. And you would fill in every valley in all of our lives. Make low every mountain. Let's stand up. Let's all stand up, if you would. And I just feel led maybe to turn some of the lights down out here. I just want to give us an opportunity just to, Rachel, if you just lead us in some worship time, just let the Holy Spirit settle in on a portion of that that he's speaking to you right now about with the, with the teaching, anointed teaching. Thank you. The Holy Spirit then can speak. Where where do you need? Maybe it's where, what, what do you have to give? What are your five loaves to fish? Maybe let, Holy Spirit, I ask that as we just take this next couple of moments to worship you, you would, you would highlight, shine your light on where we haven't given to you an area what you would like us and calling us to reach forward to the bread of tomorrow to bring in today where we're holding wrongs done to us Lead us not into harsh testing. Deliver us from the evil. Just do it, just do business with God right now as we worship.